Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds. To boldly go where no one has gone before. Engage. Engage. Kirk Enterprise. Enterprise. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Captain Catherine Janeway. Captain Sisko. This is Captain Jonathan Archer. Red alert. Photon torpedoes. Fire. The official Star Trek podcast. Engage. Engage. Make it so. With your host, Jordan Hoffman. That, sir, is illogical. And make sure history never forgets. This is Engage. Sailing frequencies open, sir. And hello, everybody, and wow, what an episode. Oh, my God, episode six. Brian, have you held on to your hat? I, I have. My hat, it, it almost flew off, but yes, <laughs> I've held on. Episode six. By the way, you know what they call it in the biz? They call it 106. 106, yes. Yeah, you know, because I- Season one, episode six, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I call it episode six, but like, you know, I occasionally do a little bit of- uh, They don't tell me anything, because I don't ask. I don't ask for clues. I don't want to know about the show before I see it. But some some people within the Discovery universe and I will once in a while exchange an email, and they'll be like, "Well, you know, when we were when we were breaking 106," and and I'm like, "Breaking 106? That sounds like what does that mean? I don't know." But breaking 106 means I was writing episode six. I feel like you don't get to say that until like you have multiple seasons, because then you have to actually clarify yeah. which episode six you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, breaking 106, man. All right, cool. Well, listen. 106 is broken, and 106 is dynamite. Uh, the episode, I don't know how you pronounce it, Lave, Letty, it's, a, it, it's um, and uh, Letty, perhaps? L-E-T-H-E, that, that's, yeah. uh, that's as far as I'm going to go. Do you, I looked it up in the dictionary. And what is it? When I say looked it up in the dictionary, I put it into Google. I do own a dictionary, but... That's close enough. I, I, knew, I knew it was something old-timey. I will admit, but I'm not. Uh, I, I'm embarrassed to say I didn't know it. It is uh, a river in Hades whose waters cause drinkers to forget their past. Ah, okay. Very, I can see how that ties uh, in. very, very relevant for the topics that happen in this episode. But you know, before we get to 106, now that we broke 106, Brian, we got to talk a little bit about. I don't want to call it embarrassing because I think that we were <laughs> head faked the right way. Yes. We were head faked the way perhaps Captain Lorca was head faked. I want to talk about episode five and our recap of episode five, which was two podcasts ago. Because remember, the last podcast we did, Brian, was with our new fr- best friend, Rain Wilson, yes. who, uh, which was great. And have, the listeners have been enjoying that. But if, if we go back to the tape, and I was more, you, you caught on more than I did. 
Well, we were talking. Mine was a mine was a skeptical kind of a, a skepticism, really. I mean, because I I wasn't sure, but I assumed, and I I just went with your you know your yeah you were like knowledge. yeah. What I'm referring to is the the Klingon captain on the ship that Harry Mudd and Lieutenant Ash Tyler were trapped on, and that Lorca got kidnapped too. And then they show the female Klingon captain. And you were like, was that Laurel? And I'm like, no, that wasn't Laurel. What are you, nuts? <laughs> and 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 you're like, oh, yeah, I guess it wasn't. And then we thought it was this other gal who actually we saw tonight. Yes. For the first time. Uh, yeah. She, uh, somehow she was in the credits for both episodes, according to IMDb. I know you can't really trust that. No, but. you can't. And we're going to get to yeah, credits in a moment. <laughs> but so my reasoning for not thinking it was Laurel was threefold. And two of them are like... This, Star Trek did good. And one of them, you know, we're the official Star Trek podcast. Welcome to Engage, official Star Trek podcast. Loving something means occasionally criticizing it. And I think I have a little bit of a criticism. Red alert. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the deal. I didn't think it was Laurel. For one reason is I took Lieutenant Ash Tyler at his word when he said that he'd been on the ship for how, since the Battle of the Binary Stars, which would have made it seven months. Yes. And he had survived by being basically used as a sex slave by the captain. You know, they talked around it. They, they classed it up a little bit, but that was essentially it. And um, I then said to myself, well, whoever this female captain is, is new, because we know that Laurel and Vok were trapped on the sarcophagus ship since the Battle of the Binary Stars. They were floating in space with no dilithium crystals and um they had to eat uh captain giorgio's skull yes by the way brian we're recording this from home my window's open i hope people are walking by outside listening <laughs> to this conversation well i don't hear any wind outside so that's good <laughs> i just hope they're going what is a maniac talking about upstairs <laughs> let me call the police just to be safe <laughs> so i took them at their word and that was part one part two was when i heard the klingon captain uh they were torturing Lorca, you know, kind of clockwork orange style with things in his eyes. Yes. Um, we heard this captain speak, and I did not recognize her voice. I even joked and said she sounded Scottish well, or something. Rightfully so, because we actually have not heard Laurel speak English before. Right. That was it. And I didn't realize that. I had been so engrossed in her performance and, and you know, been digging the fact that it's been all in Klingon that I, I didn't put two and two together and realize that. So... Um, that was cool. The other thing is, and I don't know if it's a criticism of Star Trek or criticism of me or just sort of the way life is, I'm still sort of kind of getting used to the quote-unquote new look of the Klingons. I'm not anti the new look. I, there are some out there that just can't handle the fact that they look different. I'm not anti the new look, but I am still getting used to it. So I didn't know if it was a new creature head or not. I didn't. There are not, there are not enough distinguishing marks for me to re immediately say, oh, of course that is Laurel, even though she's really the only woman we've met and she has the lighter skin. But, you know, Cole's got a red X on his face, you know, so I That's know that guy was. Yeah, see no, I, I definitely have had some some difficulty discerning the differences between the uh, some of the Klingons so far. So Yeah, so that's a little bit of learning curve. That's a little bit of just, you know, there's nothing to, nothing to do with that. But nevertheless, it's kind of embarrassing. Well, I'm not saying embarrassing, but, you know, we went to press – with our recap last week, we sent it off into cyberspace. And then about two hours later, I was still poking around on the Internet. And I saw Mary Chifo, the uh, actress who, whom I am an admirer of, and she's dynamite, uh, 
said something on social media, like the picture of uh, of her character torturing Lorca and like, you know, said something fun, you know, like wah, 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 something like that. She said something like, oh, I love to torture this guy or whatever it was. And I'm like, oh, my God, Brian was right. <laughs> should always listen to Brian. Probably it was the first and only time so far. <laughs> circle the date with a big red circle on the calendar. So uh, I got had. I got had. But it leads me to the point that I'm very excited about. And uh, episode six, 106, does nothing to answer uh, or to shed any more light. It just adds, puts more fuel to the fire of the confusion is the fan theory, which if you're listening to the show, you probably have read because it's all over the internet now. But um, it speaks to my misunderstanding, which is the theory that Lieutenant Tyler is not who he says he is and that he may in fact be Vok after a transfigurative uh, surgery, which is certainly from canon at this time period, and he's posing as a human. Now... And you said that yourself last week. You're like, I don't trust this guy, Tyler. He got on the ship too easily. Yes. I think he's a spy. So now there's a lot of evidence to, to suggest that he is. Um, the The number one real world evidence is, is something that I should have been aware of, which is in the year run up to Discovery, we got to know a lot about all the actors. And at the blue carpet that I was at, I got to, if I didn't speak to them all, I certainly saw them all. And, um, you know, we even had a little bit of time with Shazad Latif, who plays Lieutenant Tyler. And Kenneth Mitchell was at the, um, and who's Cole, he was at the Vegas convention. And he's, you know, very active on social media. And the guy who plays Vak is not. But that's cool. Not every actor is, you know. I mean, it's it's kind of a new thing, you know. And, and uh, you know, not every actor's on, on social media. Why would they, you know? So this fella who plays Vak goes by the name of Javid Iqbal. The third. <laughs> that I didn't know. <laughs> but if you Google Javad Iqbal, the only photos you're going to see of him are of Vak. Yes. And there's not a lot of information about him. Well, to be fair, on IMDb, there are actually, I'm not sure if he is a third, but there are two other Javad Iqbals. And oh, oh, I see. So, so this entry is the third one, and it, again, only shows images of Vak. Right, right. And this is his only gig, right? Correct. And there's not any, like, you know, there are no theater credits in Britain of Javad Iqbal at the, at the old, you know, at the old Vic performing as, uh, you know, Banquo in, in something. <laughs> you know, he's not, he's not out there floating around. He's, nope. a, he's a man of mystery. Yes. That alone is not that big of a deal. New actors do appear out of nowhere sometimes, especially if it's a very f- physical role, which, well, Vak is not a very physical role, but... Um, under a lot of makeup. So, I mean, that alone is not nothing. But then you got to take into account the fact that the fellow who plays Lieutenant Ash Tyler goes by the name of, as we know, Shazad Latif. Now, if you go to Wikipedia, Wikipedia is open source. So this is not peer-reviewed by any any god or government. (laughs) But uh, according to Wikipedia, Shazad Latif's Birth name is not Shazad Latif. Oh, that name... I didn't know. That's oh, not one you didn't of my know little this? facts I have. No, you got to go to Wikipedia, and it is according to Wikipedia. Oh, wait a minute. I see it now. I'm on Memory Alpha, so I see it now. Yeah. Uh, according to Wikipedia, it says his name is Shazad Khalik Iqbal, much like Javid Iqbal. Ah. This seems like a dead giveaway. However, 
What does it say next to Shazid Khalik Iqbal? It says citation needed because Wikipedia is open source, but by and large, um, it is fact-checked pretty regularly. You know, you put up a fake fact there, it stays for a little while, and then it comes down. Somebody catches it. Um, you can all go to my Wikipedia page and add all the crap you want. Eventually, <laughs> it'll come down. Okay, so dig this. You got to Google elsewhere. Well, who else is calling him Shazid Khalik Iqbal? And it's no place that, um, like, it's not like an official playbill from a play or something, or it's not an official bio. So we just don't know. Um, it could be that some prankster caught wind of the Vok Tyler incident last week and added that name to, to just be a jerk, you know? That is, that's a good point. But nevertheless, um, it stands to reason that Vok went to the matriarchs of Mokai with Lorel, and the line she said, what was it, Brian? You might have to give up everything. Uh, sacrifice everything. Which would, of course, mean a lot to Vok because he's all about the, proud, the pride of being a Klingon. And remain Klingon. Yeah, remain Klingon is his, is his cry to cur, his, his yeah. battle cry. So what would be more devastating to him what would be the ultimate sacrifice? Giving up his Klingon nature, exactly. Klingon form. So story-wise, we're in it. But then there is the issue of this: when they escaped, uh, they had their blasters with them, and they killed a couple of Klingons. They dropped dead in front of our eyes. Okay, a couple of pawns. They're willing to sacrifice them for the higher power, but they, uh, uh, Lorca almost kills Lorel, right? The Rick yes. bullet or uh, you know, phaser bank banks off the side of the thing, ricochets, scorches her skull. By the way, that's how we'll recognize her next time she'll have a scorched oh, skull. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so would Lorel and Vok have been willing to ha would would Lorel have been willing to sacrifice herself to get Vok on the ship? And would Vok have been willing to sacrifice Lorel well, the, I, I the think the implication is they're falling in love also. Yes. I, I mean, it's it, I think it's first of all, it's hard to plan something like that. Like, how can you say if, if you're going to have uh, Vok escape with Lorca? Yeah. You know, how could you say that, you know, uh, it, it's going to go to a point where Vok is going to be fighting the world by himself and they could just kind of fake it and knock him out rather than shoot them. And, you know, how do you say that Lorca won't be there? You know, so that's kind of up in the air and that that kind of disproves that how planned it could be right well then Lorel should have just never gotten involved the yeah. if Lorel wanted to be safe well maybe maybe they're just, just trying to sell that to the audience then I mean this is a TV show I mean it, it is a fantastical story I mean we, we want we want drama we want you know things like that this is real life. This is very <laughs> important stuff. Um, I don't know. I mean there must have been a fail safe. Uh, in place because um, I think Lorel should have just stayed on the bridge or maybe, I don't know. I mean, maybe, they very easily could have gotten away with that, having her stay on the bridge too. Where did they get those guns from? They were the Klingon guns, right? I believe so, yeah. I mean, there weren't any Starfleet uh, guns around there. Right, right, right. So maybe they were shit. Oh, no, set yeah, no. The, the guards come in and they, they ambush them. Yeah. Um, after Maybe they, the, they, they make Lorca choose his pain, whatever. Right, uh, right, right. Maybe I, the guns were set to extreme stun. Did we see those Klingons die in episode five, or um, did they we vanish? Did see them, we did see them fall down. 
At Do least, they dissolve like they do in the old well, days? See now, I'm 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 kind of uh, I'm kind of remembering this episode six more now on the the, the holodeck, uh, right? The fake you know, out basically on the, holodeck, the greatest yeah. laser tag game in existence, <laughs> uh, and, and they kind of just fade into a, fade into nothing. On that. all right, so you know what? We're not going to know until we know. But what's exciting, Brian, is that you called it, and I'm repeating it. We've heard of Chekhov's gun, and I don't mean Chekhov from Star Trek. Anton Chekhov. Uh, Chekhov's gun is a literary device uh, where the the gimmick is if you see a gun in Act 1, it goes off in Act 3. Yes. And now that you know, if you've never heard that phrase before, watch any movie or television show and you'll see that it's always correct. When you see a gun at the beginning of the movie, it's going to get shot at the end of the movie. Correct. And uh, I I think I actually used this in a text to you. When I was originally talking to you about this, <laughs> being that uh, I mentioned Lorca's Tribble on his desk, yeah, and that how they react very violently to Klingons, so I think that's that's the literal Chekhov's gun here. Yeah, it's Chekhov's Tribble. It's Chekhov's <laughs> Tribble, and Lorca the Tribble, tribble. is going to flip out when it sees Tyler. When it finally meets Tyler, as was made as was precedent from uh, Trouble with Tribbles, when Arn Darvin, who was another Klingon that had had surgery to make himself look human. Got ratted out by um, the, the triple squeaked, and they knew it was a Klingon. And then it happened in more Tribbles, more Tribbles, the animated episode, and that's just how it works. Tribbles just don't like the Klingons, and there's a, you know in TNG and Voyager and whatnot, there there were plenty of times when other um, characters had you know surgery or you know some sort of reconstructive makeup to look like a different race. You know, Deanna Troy looked like a looked like a. a Romulan at one point and uh, you know Cisco looked like a Klingon I mean it was they did it plenty of times so there's a lot of precedent for the makeup department I love the idea of Tyler being um of you know Tyler being a spy but I love this behind the scenes Iqbal stuff you know well there's actually another real world um kind of little IMDb jujitsu going on here oh, too. Oh, tell me. So originally, when uh, the show was announced, they announced that Shazad Latif was to play the Klingon Call, who at the time was a protege of Takovma. Now, eventually, oh. they switched it around to have Latif play uh, Tyler, and they gave the the and they gave the the Takovma's protege the name Vok, and Call went to obviously be the character played by Kenneth Mitchell. Yeah. So there's that, and also we have to. Uh, Acknowledge. I mean, this is kind of minor, but Shazad Latif's name has been in the credits of every episode. And yes, you could argue that he's a main character that hasn't been introduced yet, but what if they're secretly saying, hey, yeah, he's here and you just don't know it? That's awesome. That's cool if it was. I mean, I remember when the change happened during production. I remember that was when, uh, you know, when our friends over at io9, for whom the sky is constantly falling, <laughs> uh, they were like, this show is a mess. This is a disgrace. And I'm like, you don't even know who this character is. Why do you care? So maybe that was uh, uh, a little tip, or maybe that was just like info that shouldn't have come out. Yeah, or who so knows it, if it was a screw it, up or not? It either could be some sl- like a sloppy little mistake, or it could be like, oh hey, wait a minute, um, you know, maybe we shouldn't do this. Right, right, right. It could be they were just rewriting it at the time. Yeah. Well, anyhow, that's the news. That's all the news that's fit to print on the Vok uh, Tyler debates. Be that as it may, uh, there's a whole lot of Tyler in episode six and. He's kind of great. I'm like, he's, he's yeah. Mr. Handsome. He's very handsome. He's flirting a little bit with Michael Burnham, which is fun. And Tilly is encouraging and, Michael Burnham and, and him to And flirt. you see, this is the interesting thing, though. This is my main argument against the Tyler equals Vok is that 
is that flirtation. Like I, I definitely felt that they were setting up a, uh, a potential romance in this episode. And I, I'm just thinking, you know, how I mean, Vok and uh, Vok and Burnham have met before, obviously, on the uh, the Klingon ship where. You know, uh, Burnham, you know, kind of scratched out one of his eyes and oh, killed yeah, Takuma. Yeah. So how could this person, how could, if Tyler is Vok, how could he be controlling himself to the point where ah. he's friendly and flirting with Michael Burnham? Because <laughs> there's no way he doesn't know who it is. Right, right, right. That's a good point. Um, one would have to argue that he is simply a, you know, he's such a Deep dedicated undercover. dedicated uh, double agent that he's willing to to just sort of suppress his natural rage, you know? Yeah. Also, why, how did he get rid of his Klingon accent? I guess he just took lessons, I suppose. Well, uh, again, we have not heard him speak in English, just my, well, much like we haven't heard uh, Laurel speak in English previously. Oh, maybe that's how he just spoke. So, As a very yeah. handsome uh, Shazad Latif type guy, yeah. Well, that's a good point, but uh, yeah, I mean, that'll be... F- so what, you know, listen, if, if he is the double agent, you go three steps down the line... He and Michael Burnham do fall in love, and then Tyler slash Vok has a crisis of conscience when he realizes that, you know, he loves her, and he lo- he probably will grow to love the Federation, and he won't know what to do. So, um, you know, we can look forward to that. Or it could just be, we're, we're, we, we could have just wasted a half hour talking about this, and he could just be Lieutenant Ash Tyler. Yeah, it's very possible. <laughs> if we don't see Vok again, we're going to know what's up. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah, we have we have not seen him since, and uh, yeah. All right, well, that's, uh, you know, thinking caps on for Vok, and listen, you know, if you're not, if for whatever weird reason you're listening to this show, but haven't quite gotten into Discovery yet, I've got good news for you, and Brian, do you know what that news is? Uh, I, I think I do know what it is. This episode of Dis- of <laughs> this episode of Discovery, this episode of Engage, the official Star Trek <laughs> podcast, is brought to you by CBS All Access, which is the show which is the streaming platform upon which you can listen, you can listen, you can watch <laughs> Star Trek Discovery every week, Sunday nights. It's changed my life. Sunday nights is a whole new ballgame when the new episode of Discovery shows up, never at exactly the time it's supposed to. It's, it's always a few minutes sh- early, which is a nice yeah, no, it's a, Yeah, it's always wrong, but in the right direction. Yes. It's supposed to go live at 8.30, and usually by 8.17, 8.18, it's there, which yes. is awesome, because um, that way you can squeeze, you can watch it twice before you go to bed, you know. Uh, and uh, you know, CBS All Access uh, it costs six bucks a month, uh, ten bucks a month if you want to do it without the ads, and you get Discovery for a few more weeks uh, every week, and then you get every other Star Trek that ever existed: Enterprise, Deep Space Nine, the original series, you name it. And you also get. Um, some cool move every everything else in the cbs arc uh library csi ncis all the letters they're all there plus some <laughs> movies i love lucy twilight zone you name it they're all there cbs all access streaming is the wave of the future we're getting more and more a la carte programming and uh listen i know if, you, if you're lucky enough to not live in the united states living in the united states is great one of the negatives is you got to uh, pay for your Star Trek here. If you live in Canada or Europe or Brazil or something, you can watch it on another platform. But here in the good old USA, it's CBS All Access, but I tell you it's worth it. It's a very small price to pay. 
Very small price to pay. The first week is free. It comes out to about six quarters an episode. And then, uh, you know, at the end of November, uh, Discovery is going to take a little hiatus. And then if you want to leave your all access, uh, you know, maybe you do. And then you come back again. It's not that big of a deal. So CBS All Access is the way to go. You go to CBS.com and you can't you know, figure it out from there. First week is free. Watch it on your laptop, your phone, your Roku, your Xbox, your Google Stick, whatever you got. Make it happen. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. Energize. So, Brian, I'd like to ask you this question every time. Where do you rank episode 106 compared oh. to the others? And again, I'm completely unprepared for this. Next time, I'm going to be ready for this question. <laughs> uh, I, I like this episode. Um, I, I think I feel like I like the, the previous episode a little better. But 105? Okay. Yes. Uh, interesting. I think, I think you're right, but I'll, I, I have some thoughts on that. Okay. Well, first of all, what I'm coming to realize is everything from, you know, the first two live on an island. 103, 104, 105, and 106, they're kind of all one episode. They just roll right into each other. Yeah, that it's, is true. It's, there's so really it's not almost a break. like there's two episodes. <laughs> uh, yeah, in a way, there's only two episodes. They kind of roll right into each other. Um, I will say that 105 last week had a little bit more, it was a little bit more action-packed. Yes. This week has a little bit more time to relax. I mean, a little R&R, literally in the case of Lorca and Admiral um, Cornwell, oh, they get yeah. to, to go to bed. I mean, oh. So there's some of that. Uh, so it eases up on the action, but it, it gets a little heavier on the character stuff. And I think this is one of the best Michael Burnham episodes. We really get to get yes. into her background. We learn a lot about her, uh, a lot more about her relationship with Sarek. Yeah, we go to Vulcan, too. It's dynamite. Yes. So we get into that, and then we also get more into Lorca. And it's becoming clear now that this is the Michael and Lorca show. Like, they're the two leads. You Correct. Know? Absolutely. Saru looked like Saru was barely in this episode, right? Yeah, he, he had like one line, like he walked into a room and then walked out, and that was it. Right. Now, actually, you know, one other thing we have not seen uh, Saru and um, Tyler in the same scene yet. No, no, that's going to be the other thing. We're going to hopefully Saru meets him and the threat ganglia go up. Yeah, and what the, hopefully what they do, Saru meets him in the door jam to Lorca's ready room. Right, shoot this like a Brian De Palma film. So the <laughs> lights are dark, and Saru is about to meet him, and they all walk in together. Cut to the back of Saru's neck as his threat ganglia emerge. Cut to the desk as, a, as the, <laughs> and they're surrounded by two, two alarms, and then uh, then cut to black, and that's the last moment of the episode oh, before the break. That would be great. That would be fantastic. <laughs> what in an episode? That'll be fun. Um, so uh, yeah, let's start at the beginning then, because the first thing that happens in this episode that I really loved, 
and it was a little bit outside the story. You're seeing Michael and Sylvia Tilly jogging, and the in their music, disco shirts. They're wearing the disco shirts, right? Which is funny because I'd seen pictures of those shirts, and I always thought they were a joke. I thought they were <laughs> like fan, like um. You know, you like always a fan see, made thing, yeah, kind of poking yeah, like a, fun, yeah, yeah, a thing like on the set. You always see people on the set wearing hats like that are jokey related to yeah. the production they're on. But no, those are in universe. You and, know, and you are, know what? I kind of want one now. Uh, I do too. <laughs> I do too. John Van Sitters, are you listening? You know where to send them. <laughs> Brian, you get your specially made in plaid. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, they look great. And then, uh, but was the music was it was like kind of like almost like eight bit, you know? Like it's if you go back and listen to the the, the music while they're jogging, it's kind of like electronica, goofy eight bit like workout music. I actually didn't even notice that. You got to go back when you watch it again. Uh, when you watch it again on your big screen on Sunday, yeah, you uh, you can hear it. I'll sound crank really the volume cool. and wake up my son. Yeah, <laughs> so it looked cool. It looked cool, and I, I get listen. I'm, I, I'm, I find Tilly, I find Tilly to be really adorable. You know, I mean, I, that's why they put her there. She's a plant. You're supposed to find her adorable. Yes, it worked. It she worked has on absolutely me. grown on me a lot. I think I was a little iffy. I was a little thrown off by her in the first and in, in episode three, but she's grown on me immensely. And I've seen, I've seen some people criticize her a little bit um, wow. in, in a way. Uh, I, I, I've seen people call her uh, the Wesley Crusher of the show, which I, I don't. Uh, again, I think we've had this discussion that you said that you never saw the all the hate, and I'm, I'm, yeah. I I kind of don't see this with Tilly. Yeah, I I I have not. I'm curious to read more of uh, uh, somebody calling her the Wesley Crusher. I mean, I get it, <laughs> but I and so clearly do the writers of this. I mean, it definitely does fill a slot. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's always done that. You know, you you, you know you well, you know what's interesting. This 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 shows crew doesn't fill the slots the way the other ones did like who is who is the spock on this it's is it is it saru not really like at first you think it is because he looks weird and he's an alien but his attitude is not spock like at all he's an outsider but he's not he's not like the spock data seven of nine you know type Spock Data Seven of Nine Odo, right? Yeah, those, that was the That's character. A good point. Yeah, I, I don't know. Who. There really is none on it because it's you want to say it's Michael Burnham then because she's half Vulcan, but she's got so much other shit going on. You know, she's escaping her past and she's the, the she's the mutineer and she's a genius. Yeah, that's a very so, good point. Like, I, I don't think I'm, I mean, I guess Saru was the closest thing, but it doesn't quite fit yeah. as well as well as those other characters. I, do. I, I think what it is is they made a concerted effort to break that mold. Yeah, I mean, they want the show to be a little different. Um, you know, the captain is not a Kirk Picard Cisco type. You know, oh, or no. maybe maybe Giorgio was, but she's now been eaten by uh, by Klingons. Yes, uh, Stamets is not lovable, Chief O'Brien or. Um, Scotty. Although he was he was uh, noticeably very casual uh, in, in his one He's scene. He's got this, the spores episode, in him now. <laughs> which was, I thought six. was a, a fantastic little nod to show a, a shift in his personality in a sense, by while keeping it a little more on the subtle uh, side. Yeah. No, he's flying. He's flying uh, on Spore Drive, and he's like, "Hey, man, that's that sounds groovy." Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> it's awesome. So no, he's definitely changed, and we've yet to see any of his uh, mirror. You know, maybe it's the mirror universe, maybe it's not. We don't quite know yet. We, that didn't show up at all in 106. There's too much else going on. Well, anyway, the thing that I dug so much about the first uh, scene was they're jogging. 
I I I I love. I think Tilly's really cute. I think Michael Burnham is a wonderful character, and uh, I just like seeing them be friends. Maybe that's dorky of me and, and hokey, but I like seeing them be friends. And then one of them mentions the Enterprise, and I believe it's yes. the first me- mention of the Enterprise so far. Uh, yeah, th- yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was the that was the big one obvious name drop in this episode. Yeah, they're like someday you'll be the captain of the Enterprise. I'm like ah, so that was pretty exciting. And then. I, I got to say, again, now, I, I'm loving the show. You're loving the show. Uh, I dismiss criticisms of Tilly being a West Crusher, but I do have to say, uh, it is. there has been an ongoing debate about whether the show makes sense as a prequel or a sequel or a sidequel or should it have been in the Kelvin timeline or whatever. My wife's watching this. She's watched every episode. Okay. She's seen scenes with Sarek, and I've explained to her who Sarek was, but, you know, her head's not into it. So Tilly says the Enterprise, and she says to me, wait, is is this, when is this set? <laughs> and I'm just like, oh. And she's like, don't sigh at me. And I'm like, oh, you've watched every episode. She's like, is this set during the new movies? And I'm like, oh, oh. You know, why you got to do that? Um, and I then had to explain where it was set. I said, it's a prequel. This is 10 years before Captain Kirk, the original Captain Kirk. I know it looks different, but it's, that's, you know, that's life. And she's like, oh, okay, got it, got it, got it. So what, what I've come to accept is their casual fans have no idea when this is set in, in the timeline. It's very possible. I mean, I don't think they necessarily have really said much of that in the show explicitly. Um, which is surprising because I feel like they've been very obvious with other things. But um, it really, that was part of the marketing uh, and the promotional material saying that there was before yeah. the Enterprise. Because they were talking to the fans, like yeah. to the hardcore nerds like us. But to my wife, who ironically is married to this maniac who goes to Star Trek conventions all the time, <laughs> she knows it, but she was like, wow, when is this set? What's going on? You know, she's looking up from her magazine trying to figure it out. So... Is this a problem? Not for me, because what I can put it together, and I guess it's not really a problem to casual fans either, because she's been enjoying every episode. Yeah, you know, and she even got like Mirror Universe when she saw um, Stamets look in the mirror, and she's like, "Oh, look at that spooky thing, like from Twin Peaks." <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah," in the mirror, and she's like, "Oh, yeah, like the Mirror Universe." So she got that. But um, she did not know that this was ten years before Spock's beard in the Mirror Mirror episode. Just, it just didn't, it didn't connect. That that mycelium spore uh, <laughs> uh, tunnel did not reach its other end of the uh, spectrum. There, <laughs> it just did not connect. So that's just my note back to CBS and to the show. It didn't quite work. The experiment is eighty five percent there. Doesn't mean the show isn't awesome. But I'm just being realistic that my wife had no idea when this well, was Well, I mean, set. for me, I, 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 I'm a big comic book reader. And, uh, I mean, obviously all those characters were created, you know, 50, 60 years ago. And right. they make it seem like it has been 10 years since they've, you know, started. Right. So I'm, I'm kind of used to accepting things fitting in in weird ways. And it just doesn't bother me. I, I realize that, you know... It, there, there need to be some a, a, exceptions made in order to make a good story, you know. You got to do it. Yeah, you got to you got to have an occasional crisis on Infinite Earths yes. to make it all come together. You know, we, you and I get that, and and I think, I mean, the point is like, 
my wife just didn't care. She was like, oh, when is like, I'm confused for a second. When is this? And I explained, she was like, oh, all right. You know, ca- the hardcore fans get it and maybe some are a little annoyed, but they get it. Casual fans are just like, this show's cool. Why is his, why is he moving in the mirror? What's the deal with spores? Saru is awesome. You know, it's just, uh, I don't know. It's just kind of funny to, to do like a little bit of a postmortem and all this. Uh, yeah. It's just kind of neat. But the other thing that was really cool that came up right then is um, the way the nebula looked, right? When they go to the nebula and when Vulcan, when um, Sarek's ship is trapped in the nebula, uh, it looked like a Christmas tree. It did. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. It looked really cool. Like we've seen a lot of nebulas on Star Trek. You know, they're they're usually purple. They're not green and purple and red and orange <laughs> and all that stuff. Oh, it was really cool. So that looked neat. And the uh, Planet Vulcan looked real. The, the Vulcan sets looked great. Yes, graduation it did. looked really cool. Um, and then though, uh, what did you think of the special effects of inside Burnham's mind, inside Sarek's mind when they do the mind meld? And she's like walking through space. Um, yeah, I, I felt like that was very like trippy and psychedelic. Uh, yeah, it, it was a little odd. I, I've actually seen some complaints about uh, that as a plot device. The, the the mental connection that seems a little hard to swallow, I guess. Which yeah. uh, okay, I, I can see that. Um, but I'm just kind of going with it, and you know. It, but yeah, that looked a little trippy. Yeah, it was a little Doctor Strangey. Uh, I I thought it was pretty neat. Um, and then they're fighting Matrix style. Yes. Uh, I mean, they explain it away at the end with the Katra and whatnot, and um, and that and the fact that uh, it was not Klingons that attacked the education center; it was radical Vulcans. Yes, I found that very interesting. Big twist. Big twist, and not not uh, you know, Enterprise had some radical Vulcans in it, so not uh, not out of the uh, the realm of possibility. I thought it was really. Really nifty twist. I also liked how Lorca smashed a fortune cookie with his fist. He did. Because <laughs> you've been really into the fortune cookie stuff. <laughs> you've mentioned it a lot. Ah, he's got his fortune well, cookie. Well, I mean, it's, it's an interesting little character quirk. I mean, like, do, have you ever seen fortune cookies on a screen in any show before? I mean, it's like it's like calling out to you. <laughs> no, way. I mean, maybe in a romantic comedy now and then when they go out to dinner and then they, you know, there's like the big finish and then like, should she go back to him and she cracks open the fortune cookie and it says... Oh, yeah. Okay. So maybe you've seen like a single fortune cookie, but this yeah. is a bowl of fortune never. cookies. It never. Never in life. <laughs> I've never even seen a bowl in life like that. <laughs> I went to a fortune cookie factory in San Francisco once. That's interesting. Yeah. they get. It's like in the it's, it was in deep of the heart of Chinatown. You go into like this room and for a dollar, they can make one for you right there. Oh, this wow. Old, this old... He's got like this goo. He's got like this... So it looks like pancake batter and he like... Puts Pink it slime. over like a drill, and he like goes whoop, and it turns into a cookie, and then he slips a piece of paper in there, and then you give him a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> I have a distinct memory of that. <laughs> and there was a line out the door. It was like tourists out the door. They all, all wanted thumb fortune cookies. So, so what I've learned here is we're both fixated on fortune cookies in some manner. <laughs> yeah. No, no. It's cool. I mean, eventually it's going to... I mean, I, I think we saw it. I think we, we we already we got our payoff, which is when he was angry, he smashed yeah. his fortune cookie. Now, the other thing is there was another criticism that I read um, that uh, there's some people who really just can't handle that Lorca is bad, you know? Like, it's anti-Star Trek. This is not Star Trek. There's a couple of very small percentage of maniacs on the internet that like to scream about this. 
And um, to which I say, there have been bad captains since TOS, you know? Of course. There have always been evil captains that Kirk would then outsmart. Evil admirals, well, not evil admirals, but bad admirals. Bad admirals. Bad Admiral <laughs> Jellicoe, you know, a real jerk. So um, now we're stuck with one. We're witnessing one from day one on Discovery, not on the Enterprise, which is the flagship. And clearly they would not allow somebody who was a loose cannon. But they have this guy on Discovery. Now... What's really awesome is the whole arc with Admiral Cornwell. She's there to, to pull the, 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 the leash back a little bit. Yes. She's recognizing that he is becoming a bad captain. Now, adding a little fuel on this is that they're, in fact, uh, romantically involved, which is you know an unexpected twist, but that's a lot of fun. But she's there to admonish him. And she says something that I found really gratifying was like, how the hell were, did you allow Stamets to shoot himself up with that spore DNA, this violates everything about our code of uh, not tampering with eugenics. Well, I mean, I don't think he ran that by anybody. I mean, I think he just right, did. right. No, Stamets didn't. But the but the thing is, well, uh, Lorca was still using the ship at the time. Yeah, no, he wasn't there. But the thing is, Lorca is still responsible using, for it. Yeah, he's responsible, and he's still using Stamets's spore powers to, to propel the ship. Oh, uh, but I just found uh, it really are, great. Are they? Have they done this, any jumps since then? Um, you know what? Uh, uh, legally, if this was a courtroom, I could not say yes, as I do not have evidence beyond a shadow of a doubt because we didn't see any. But I think the implication is that they probably have. Hmm. Because they've been in the in the thick of battle for the last few weeks. Um. Well, no. The the the, the little montage of their accomplishments was the previous episodes. I mean, I don't right. think they showed much much of anything in that regard. So, I mean, I, I don't think there's anything telling that. They've they have used it since, or they've solved how to. Uh, right, it's possible. It's po- I, you know the, we, like I uh, yeah you're right. We don't know for certain, but for all we know, it's only been used. Stamets's spores were only used once. Yes. to save him. It's possible, but the 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 larger point I wanted to make was uh, there there were some naysayers who were really adamant that you know ever since the eugenics wars and 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 con and whatnot starfleet would never allow any sort of genetic tampering uh you know because it also goes back to dr bashir and 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 all that stuff and uh and they're right and it was not discussed last week it just happened and then in the in the interim between five and six there was one essay on io9 flipping out about this and what i found very gratifying was like had that person just waited a, you know 10 <laughs> waited 10 minutes into episode six and it's addressed so now they have to issue a retraction because everything they were annoyed about uh is is the is you know they're right you know that essay was correct and that's why episode six opens with admiral cornwell saying what the hell are you doing yeah you know we got to look out for you and then you know there's this great uh, inter- interplay between the two of them. They they get romantic, which is nice to see. And then she's going to go rat him out. She's going to go rat him out. And then there's the switcheroo. And then the ethical dilemma, this morality tale. It's not like Lorca's killing her. No, but I mean... He's not going out of his way to save her either. No, well, he's nudging, I think. I mean, and, and he you can't guarantee the outcome but i mean i think it's pretty obvious that that's what would have happened that he 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 is oh no no the the outcome on uh what was the planet i forgot the planet i wrote it down because it had a cool name and those aliens look great hold on 
The Elders of Cancri 4. Cancri 4, yeah. So I, I think that that was a very expected outcome uh, that he probably said, like, oh, yeah, this is not going to work out right. So Wait, wait, wait. You're saying that you think that he knew that she was going to get attacked before she left for Cancri 4? No, I, I think he had a, He probably had a hunch that uh, really? there's, there's, a, there's a high probability of this going wrong. So he knew that if 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 Sarek was well enough to travel, he would be setting Sarek into danger. Also, well, I, I've been kind of debating that myself. Is that had Sarek gone, would the outcome have been the same or not? Yes, I oh, think so. Yeah, they, yeah, no, they even say that because uh, yeah. uh, Cole is it Cole that shows up? I, I know Dennis shows up there. Yeah, Cole's but like, he said I like, oh, I was expecting a, a a Vulcan ambassador, but instead I get a Starfleet commander. Starfleet commander. <laughs> <laughs> what? Mustache what's twirl. the deal with the elders of Cancri Four? They're these giant white robes and silver orb faces. They looked awesome. They did look pretty cool, and now they're dead. Before we get a chance to look at them, they're dead. <laughs> yep, we don't hear them talk. We just see them stand there. They don't even move, I don't think. They're just no, they're there. the elders of Cancri 4. They yeah. can't move. They <laughs> simply hover. They simply hover, and you pay respect, unless you're a dirty, no-good Klingon, and you murder them where they stand. Yeah. Ugh. So, yeah, he is not going to rush into action. He's not using his spore drive. He's gonna let her figure it out. He's gonna let her dangle. He's gonna what he's gonna do is he's gonna let fate play out. And yeah. if she dies with the message of, you know, we must take Lorca out, he's all right with that. And that is, I'm ready to say right here and now, an ethical breach. Yes. It's too much. It is too much, yeah. Um the fact that he was he was all gung ho about going to get Sarek uh against Starfleet's orders and that he now that he, he has uh, the opportunity to potentially rescue a, a former love interest, even. I He's know. like, nope, sorry, no, not going to do it. It's wrong. He's evil. Star, Star, Starfleet code and all, can't go. No, he's <laughs> gone too far. Yeah. He's gone too far. And, but what's, what's, what's worse is he has grown to really admire Michael Burnham, and now Michael Burnham is in a place of emotional uh, disarray. She has a void that needs to be filled because she's discovered that Sarek has betrayed her. We'll get into that in a moment. She's discovered Sarek's betrayal. She needs a father figure. Yeah. And she turns to Lorca, who needs a protege figure. Yep. And she, he is saying, I'm making you my sci second science officer. And she says yes. And she... Very quickly says yes. Very, yeah. She's kind of got stars in her eyes. Yeah. She's, I don't, she's not falling in love in a no, romantic no, way. No. She's falling in love with the, the relationship. And Lorca is really pulling the strings because... She's given it all to him, and he's not being totally honest with her. Yeah. But Michael Burnham is like, yes, I'm ready to work with you. And he's like, I'm baiting you. I'm tempting you. Do you, thi do you think at all that, that uh, Lorca's interest in Burnham is, is potentially as like a patsy for his actions to, to, oh, to pin stuff on? Because clearly, I mean, clearly a lot of people blame her for the war. And, you know, yeah. um, you know it was like, well, I had this mutineer on my ship. I mean, of course things, things went wrong. Yeah, that's great. No, he's 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 so clever. And yeah, you're so clever for figuring it out. I don't trust you at all anymore. <laughs> uh, no, you're but, right. She's perfect to have around because anytime anything that goes south, he can just say, you know, well, you near. She did it. Yeah, you were going to send her to a penal colony anyway. Send yeah. her, send her twice. Uh, but wow. but still, uh, I even with the the, the breach of ethics, I, I still find Lorca a fascinating character, and I I'm still yeah, I still want to see a lot more. 
Right. Yeah. And he's also a, um, you know, you kind of get it. I mean, in time, like it's Patton, right? General Patton did some pretty crappy yeah. things, but he won the war, you know, he, or I'm basing all of my knowledge on Patton from the movie Patton. So, <laughs> you know, I'm not really a scholar on this, but you know, he did some things that he did the job that needed to be done. Yes. You know, he's one of those guys. You got to do what you got to do. So uh, it's tough, you know, and, and they got to f- defeat the, the Klingons here. It's tough. Now, the other big thing, which I alerted to a minute ago, was the situation with um, Sarek. And they finally bring up the S word. They don't say my brother, my half brother. Yes. Spock, his name is said. And what Sarek did was pretty shitty. He, uh, the, the, the elders said, you're only going to get one of your two mongrel kids into a good college you know yeah. you can only send one of your kids to day school uh the vulcan <laughs> academy of blah, 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 whatever it is the Vol- uh the vulcan expeditionary group yeah there you go uh you can only send one and he chose his blood relative which i mean i guess you got he had a sophie's choice he had a spocky's choice uh, no i i don't think he had a choice at all actually i think he was absolutely forced into that because oh yeah if they, they were kind of questioning his experiment with humans quote-unquote and then I think if he if he chooses the full on human, uh, they're gonna they're gonna you know take that as a mark against him. Like they have to choose. He had to choose the one that had some Vulcan blood. In wow, him. you're way 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 too forgiving. I say that he was given a Spocky's choice, and what he did was he had Burnham in front of him, and he knew that she was good enough. He had the concept of Spock, who was still too young, four years away or whatever, and still put it you know doubled down on that he's gonna be a worthy. Uh, contender, and then of course the jokes on him. Spock chooses to go into Starfleet yeah. anyhow. So man, does Sarah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think face. I think that was a nice kind of nod to uh, the potential relationship that Spock and uh, Burnham might have had. That she said, like, you know, I feel bad that Spock is maybe that I felt bad that you know my half sibling or step sibling didn't get to do this. So I'm, um, you know, I'm going to go follow in her footsteps. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. It's a kind of yeah, nice, like little, that. like you know. Um, retcon in a way yeah well here's what i can tell you i have not yet read david max desperate hours yet i'm gonna well, i'm probably gonna read it during the break between that's a good idea episode season one and season 1.5 let's review a chapter every week during the break <laughs> i haven't read yet but from what i'm told uh i, I don't know is this a spoiler uh, spock is in the book you know okay spot uh the book is set on giorgio's ship on the shenzu and spock is in there and you get some scenes of uh michael and spock okay and uh you know we'll learn more about i've had it i've had it sort of explained to me uh in in broad strokes but i haven't read it yet um but uh you know there's going to be more of that and you know it's great that this scene is in there in in this uh episode and you know who the hell knows three seasons from now we might get we might get some spock action you know you never can tell you never can tell so um but you know, it's it's tough going. I mean, at the end of the day, what Sarek did was he lied. I mean, he lied to his ward, as he calls her. He lied to his daughter. And um, Vulcans are not supposed to lie. You know, that's like the one thing about them is that they cannot lie. You know, there were so many, um, which of course means that Spock lied many times over the course of the series but they always bent it in a way that like technically i was merely implied that blah 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 so but you know that's sort of a basic thing is that vulcans do not lie so sarek liar liar pants on fire well but he clearly has a lot of guilt over it i know it's his dying thoughts it's his dying thoughts and he gushed so much green blood yes 
the most green blood we've ever seen on Star Trek was on this episode. It was, uh, you can only see like little stre- little streaks of green. I'm, I'm pretty sure this is the most blood we've seen in any Star Trek series at, overall. You know, I mean, so far yeah. with all the the uh, the mangled bodies on the uh, the Glen and oh, forget about and the it. war yeah. and stuff and all these bodies floating in space. Yeah. Yeah, there were some notes on on the Facebook page. Um, people complaining about the use of an f bomb last week. Yeah, it's like there was a guy whose spine was ripped out of his back. Yep, on the Glen. Yep. That you know, that's okay to watch with your kids. But somebody says this is so effing cool. Y- you know what? Uh, <laughs> I actually saw I saw a guy on Reddit. Uh, he actually explained why how how he had a problem with the f bomb, but that the that his uh, his young son was was able is able to determine. The difference between real life and fantasy violence, and I'm like, ah, I think that's a stretch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. I mean, look, you can watch. When I was a little kid, my parents would sometimes take me to adult, not adult films, but films <laughs> for adults. You yeah. know, like you and saw PG-13 when you were like yeah. ten. Yeah, and they would say, I remember my parents saying, like, you're going to hear some language that you were not to repeat at home, or else you're never going to get to see one of these movies again. Yeah. And I and that's, that's how it works. That's fair, you know. Um, other notes I have. So when Burnham goes into her, um, she basically they use the machine from Inception to get her into. Yes. Into, <laughs> <laughs> like what the? Uh, like Stamets tries to explain that was some quality techno babble. Yes. They're like, how can we get her melt? How can we increase the power of her melt? It's like, well, we can include a booster. Blah 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 blah. I'm like, oh god, what are you babbling about? <laughs> yeah, that was an extreme case of. Uh, and then it was battle. like, and then what is it? Like, here, put on these headphones, and that'll get you there. <laughs> it was ridiculous. I mean, but that's God bless it. That's Star Trek. Yeah, you know? I'm, I'm totally fine with stuff like that. And I'd I'll, they, I'm, I'm happy that they, ex- they attempt to explain it in whatever convoluted way. Then saying, oh yeah, that works. Yeah, they used a repeater. Yeah. You know, they used it, you know, you can mind meld over X amount of feet as seen in a preview, you know, in the episode uh, with, uh, shoot, the name went, well, it's, you know, Spock's in, in, a, in the jail and he uses a mind meld on the Kelvins and he gets out. Uh, you know, you don't have to be touching the guy, but, you know, if you want to really send it far and wide, you need a repeater. You yeah. Know, you, need a, <laughs> you need a loudspeaker, whatever it is. <laughs> so they hook her up to the Inception machine. I love that. And then... The scene where uh, Lorca and the Admiral are uh, being ro- before the romance, they're having like a quiet drink. Yes. Uh, this uh, Jason Isaacs guy, he's a handsome fella. <laughs> he's got like a John Hamm thing going on, right? Yeah, I, I can see that. Um, it, it's funny. I, I, I've been hesitant to mention this show because, uh, you know, it was kind of obscure. But on Netflix, there's the show called The OA. That he was also oh, yeah. a, a villainous character, sort of. Oh, I didn't know he was on that. You know, I I've been wanting to watch the the OA. I thought it was called the OA, like uh, like Green Lantern, but I've been meaning to watch it. I said that initially before I watched it as well, <laughs> but I, I know it's the OA from watching it so. because I like the woman who wrote the OA uh, made a movie called Sound of My Voice yes. about five years ago, and Sound of My Voice is terrific. That's I have not great. seen the movie, but I I know she's she's a very uh, she's very into like. Sci-fi and yeah. sciencey stuff. So, sound of my voice was is really low budget sci-fi, but it'll it'll screw you up, man. Yeah. That's a great. So, Lorca's on the OA. Yes, uh, he's a very main major character, and and in a way, he's a very morally conflicted character as well. But he was uh, Jason Isaacs is excellent in the show. Yeah. Well, yeah. When he was like, he's like drinking a scotch and this, and the the, the shooting, the lighting is all. I'm like, this guy is like a like a space John Ham, you know, space <laughs> Ham. He looked really handsome. The the other thing, a uh, couple of things I wanted to mention. 
to, to wrap it up, one note which is very positive. Something new that we've never seen on Star Trek before, but I like the way it worked out. The replicators tell you the nutritional content of your food. Yes. I wish we had that very, in real life. Very, very handy thing. I don't know if I would want that in real life because, you know. Oh, and then I guess I have the guilt of getting the horrible things. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> you know, I want, I, you know, what, I, one one chunky bar, please. Yeah. Uh, the chunky bar contains blah, blah, blah amount of uh, sucrose and blah, blah. Oh, boy. High fructose corn syrup. <laughs> nah, chunky bar, man. That's Nestle. They don't got, they got nothing but pure sugar in that. <laughs> When was the last time we had a chunky bar there, Brian? Uh, I do not know. I do not know. Have you ever had a chunky bar? I've definitely had a chunky bar before, but not not for a while. It's it's. it's you don't the see mix. them around. I don't. Do they even make them anymore? Oh, they do. They, <laughs> <laughs> of course, they I don't do. see them in any of the delis around here in New York City. No, I get them here. I get them here. All right, you have to show uh, me I, next I, time you're in the office. I, I'll bring you one. No, there's the deli near my house, uh, the Superior Deli on 30th Avenue in Astoria, Queens. Uh, they have chunky bars there for a dollar. Uh, the reason why I like them is the reason why many people don't like them. I find the mix of chocolate and raisins to be quite delicious. Oh, you know what? No, you know what? I don't. I don't like raisins and things. I, yeah. I, I will eat a box of raisins. You put raisins in anything. I'm like, I don't understand why. It just yeah, doesn't make is, sense to me. This is why the chunky bar is, okay. is the ha- most is the least. It's like the fillet o fish. It's the least ordered <laughs> thing on the menu. <laughs> Uh, the chunky. The other thing is the Cadbury fruit and nut, which is basically the Cadbury fruit and nut is just a straight chunky bar. A chunky bar is a big square, and the Cadbury fruit and nut is chocolate with peanuts and raisins. Okay, and it's I don't know. You know, I'm gonna bring you one next time. Anyhow, you're gonna try it. All right, I'll, I will try it. I'll, I will try it. Yeah, but that's the way it goes. Uh, any other points you wanted to bring up in, in episode 106 before we uh, before we take a break? Um, no, I think that's really it. The only thing other thing I've written down is we saw Amanda Grayson for the first time. Uh, Mia Kirshner. Yeah. that was that was nice. I mean, she yeah. didn't have too much to do, but uh, you know, it was nice to see her. You know, other than the episode Journey to Babel, the ca- whoever plays Amanda never has much to do. Yeah, I they mean, had, she's, Winona a, she's Ryder, a fairly her- established actress, I think, though, in, in television. Mia Kirshner, sure, yeah, 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 yeah. She's lovely, but uh, yeah, Amanda is the character of Amanda is great in Journey to Babel, and then she's kind of just been kind of wasted since then. And but you know, maybe we're going to see more of her. I hope so. Yeah, I expect we'll see more of her. And I, I like you said, um, I, I, I'm, I guarantee we will see a young Spock at some point. Maybe not this season. Oh no, not this season. Not this season. When things get weird in season three, yeah, you know, let's let's worry about that when we get to it. Um, other cool programming notes. It was really great that we had uh, Rain Wilson on, and we had. Um, also, Anthony Rapp. We're doing our best. We're going to try and get more uh, Discovery guests and talent on the show, but we're going to make an effort, listeners, not to do it over the phone uh, because it always feels a little rushed. Uh, you know, you know, it's never it's never the best over the phone. So we're really going to try and get them in the studio in New York. We're working on something for early November. Keep our fingers crossed, and then you know, as time goes on, we're going to try and get more of them. I mean, naturally, eventually, we're going to have to get. Uh, Sunuka Martin Green on the show more than just on the blue carpet. Uh, it'll happen in time, uh, but until then, uh, you know, we'll 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 uh, until we can do that. I we'll hope she comes to the office. Eventually, why would she? So. Eventually, you know, we'll treat her like a, like a, like. Well, the star we'll we'll she roll is. out our own blue carpet for that. I think the carpet's already blue. Well, we'll be in a different building by then. <laughs> yes, that's right. We'll be in the hip downtown building. That is correct. Yes, friends, deck forty four is moving. Yeah, we'll be deck something else. What floor will we be on? I have no. Uh, I want to say twelve. 
Deck 12. Deck 12. It's got a nice ring to it. Deck 12. Yeah. Deck 12. Yeah. In a couple weeks, right? Uh, yes. Listeners, do you care about this? No. <laughs> There's no way anyone cares. No, listeners should know. Listeners should know that Deck 44 is in the heart of Midtown, thumping heart of Manhattan. If you've never been to New York City, but when you think, close your eyes, listener who's never been to New York City. And I say, New York City, what do you picture? You picture Times Square. You picture all the lights, you think of the ball on New Year's Eve, all those people, the Times Square, which is really a rectangle, it's not a square, that is where Deck 44 is. It's it's a block away. It's on the very, you go to the very northern edge of Times Square, and if you're facing north, you make a right, so that means the northeast corner of Times Square, you walk half a block, and if you walk, walk half a block more, you got the second thing you think of when you think of New York, which is Rockefeller Center. Yep. In between Rockefeller Center, which is where the Christmas tree is and NBC and all that stuff. Radio City Music Hall. Radio City Music Hall. In between Times Square and Rockefeller Center, what do you got? Brian's office. <laughs> With Cheerio crumbs on the floor. Yes. And and, uh, and plaid shirts in my drawer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But not for long. We're going to move. Yes. We're going to move. All right, listen. It's been an hour. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, hit me more with your theories about Vok and 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 uh, Tyler and all of your other thoughts about Star Trek Discovery. We're coming into Episode Seven, where it's almost time for the the hiatus. I mean, we got three my more. God, we only got two more. Three more. Three. Three more. Yes, only got three more. It's getting exciting. You can hit us up on Facebook, which is Facebook.com/slash. Engage the official Star Trek podcast, facebook.com slash engage official Star Trek podcast. You can hit me on Twitter at Jay Hoffman, J-H-O-F-F-M-A-N. Brian is not on Twitter, but once again, Brian, again, wow, one of the fans, one of the fans did include in the message, P.S. Tell Brian he's great. Is this the same guy or is this a, a new fan? I, 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 for the sake of this conversation, let's say it's a new fan. All right. Two fans. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> I don't actually write. No, it's a new person. Of course it's a new person. Okay. And everyone who doesn't include that note, it's implied. It's implied. So, all right, listen, don't be like the elders of Cancri 4. Don't invite Klingons into your home without checking them out first. Be vigilant, and we'll catch you all next week. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. 